Hi everyone, welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint. And I'm Julian Taylor. And welcome to our podcast. Hello and welcome to Two Bald Guys. Talking all sorts of things, including safety. Because we've had a, we, we, we've had a bit of a, we've had an interesting couple of weeks to say the least, haven't we Langdon? We have, and I feel like unfortunately it's been the majority on me. <laughs> I think it has been the majority on you. Well, the majority was on me because I had to do my stuff without you. So, touche. Yep. It started off, we were going to be reunited again. And then a failed flight from Newark. But I did hang out on a plane for six hours. Which is always fun, isn't it? Yeah. Six hours on a plane is always good fun with, with maybe one bottle of water to keep you going. You know, and it, oh yeah. And they brought me, and this is how, you know, everyone I'm showing about two inches. It was one of those that my butt was numb and we'd only moved, you know, a couple hundred yards. And it was also the, the whole, as they, everything that comes up, you, you start thinking, is this flight actually meant to take off? And do I want it to take off? You know, we started with the generator issue on the right engine. Then, what was it? They had to, they couldn't find us a gate. And this was at like 1130 at night. Then it was not enough fuel. Then there was something else that I still cannot remember. And then it ended up with legality issues for the flight attendants, who were all very pleasant. I only saw them once or twice in six hours, so I can't understand what they were doing, but they were very pleasant the few times I saw them. So they hadn't been overworked in those six hours. I don't want to say that, but no. Okay. I thought it was quite. I thought it was quite amusing that they, the plane, the furthest the plane managed to get you was to a gate at the opposite end of the airport, and then they made you walk back to the gate that you actually started from. You know, that was about the worst thing. We got off. Actually, that wasn't the worst. There was a lot of worse things, but that was pretty ridiculous. Start at seventy-five. We're, we're getting you into gate one twenty-one. And then as soon as you get off the plane, you know, and the airport's dead. It was 3.45 in the morning. We need y'all to go to gate 71. So you're thinking, okay, I'm walking to gate 71 to get another plane. Gate 71 is customer service, where you get the luxury of standing in line for two hours. Only to be told that their shift is ending at 5, so they're leaving at 4.45. And then... The person you do go talk to is actually not customer service, but they're sitting with customer service and they've already been working 30 minutes longer than they were supposed to. It was really a series of unfortunate events. So what we want to do really today is really just hand some kudos out to United Airlines and thank them for their ability to get people over the Atlantic. <laughs> that was unproper. That was good. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> yeah. Great job for getting us to our destination safely, even if it's couple of gates away. <laughs> so I'd like to personally thank United Airlines because we were meant to be doing a two bold guys talk at the Health and Safety Expo in London. And sadly for the audience, it ended up as one, one bold guy um, doing, doing the, the, the conversation from London. But it went well. It went well. So I did. I did ponder whether I did ponder whether we should change the podcast back to just one bald guy talking safety. But fortunately, we never hit that point, you know. So it's, <laughs> but you carried on like a champ, you know, like like the 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 hero, the hero that I am. For those who are listening and not watching, I am smirking, and that was a joke. 
there was, it did hit the point where I was like, well, do I go ahead and do the next flight that they're assigning me on? But then if I don't make it, what have I done? So I came home four days later, stomach bug hit the family. So there's that. Yeah. So we, we didn't miss you. And then you got home and the whole family was taken ill, which wasn't good. Dad gum kids and stomach bugs. Yep. It's part, I think it's part of the joys of the joys of parenthood. So yeah, but we're here now. Yeah, and we're good. How are you? Enough about me. I'm all good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I've um, enjoyed enjoyed the expo. It was um, great to meet up with some lots of people that I know already. Also get to get to know to meet some new people, which is always exciting. Um, did be a couple of people who had listened to our podcast, Langdon, which was encouraging. So, um, so that that was good. Um, yeah, and yeah, life's just busy as ever. So, yep. So today, well, we we should talk about some something relating to safety, maybe today. One time, I want to do a podcast that is strictly nothing. Strictly nothing. We will do that. We'll, we'll do that as a, a bonus extra. Jules and Langdon talking about nothing. It's, it's kind of like Seinfeld. A show about nothing, a podcast about nothing. There you go. We'll do the podcast about nothing. Yeah? But not today. Not today. So we do have a topic to talk about today. Um, and as an ex-trainer, I'm, I'm really interested in this one because we, we wanted to just talk about I suppose the way people learn, and, and obviously that's an important element of, of safety. Sort of stop and think about it. Learning is just an ongoing thing within safety, isn't it? If we if we issue new documents, new records, things like JHAs, risk assessments, safe operating procedures, whatever it might be, actually there's an element of, of learning and training needs to happen around those things as well, isn't there? Um, so I thought today we could just have a conversation around actually how we do that or try to do it as effectively as possible. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. You know, and especially I'm going to be eager. This is going slightly off the original route, but I'll be curious to hear. So you came at it. You're, you have more background on the training and, you know, the coaching side of it. Mine is strictly from a, from a health and safety perspective. And then when I, when I was getting my master's, I interned at a company that uh, it was pure safety at the time. And they were uh, created in 98, I believe off a, you know, tragic incident. And they started trying to come up with different ways than I know the safety professional that started it. He was working at, he was at a, the safety professional at a Caterpillar dealership. And it was that thought of let's try to make health and safety training more readily accessible, easier. So you don't have to pull people off. And you know, that was, so that was 98. So there's, you know, early two thousands. That's not when I was in my master's program. That's when that started. I was in my master's program in 2010. Yes. 2010. And and that, that was what they were still thriving on. And the next few years, it started kind of into that, a shorter snippets. But I'm curious on your perspective, what things were like from from your 
history, but also in, in the UK wanting to see if there are any differences, you would have, you would sit there. It wasn't a big thing for people sitting there taking a <clears throat> three, four hour online training, but everybody felt so good about it because it seemed still more efficient than totally pulling off and having to bring everybody together in a classroom or death by PowerPoint. Yeah, and and I've got a great story about I did die by PowerPoint once, so I was going to talk about that. Um, it, it's really interesting, and I'll, I as part of me looks back in horror at some of the things that we did. Um, but we were young and naive, and, and, and you do these things. It was so innovative at the time, dudes. <laughs> it was, yeah. We had um, overhead projectors and exciting things like that. So, but I mean... Vis-a-vis. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we. I, I do look back now and, and kind of chuckle to myself when I'm, I'm thinking about this stuff because I work for a big business and we used to get people together from all over the country for three-day training courses. And we would just batter them and bombard them with, with information for three days. And probably the most productive thing that happened on those training courses was, was in the bar on the evenings when they actually just actually bonded together as a team. That was probably the most productive thing that we did. Um, and if you look at all the, so I suppose, research and, and sort of statistics around learning, that people talk about actually sort of the reality is somebody will take away around 5% of the information or retain, be, be able to use, be able to sort of drag from their, their sort of deeper, deeper knowledge bank about 5% of that information that you've given to them. So, and that's just beginning and end, correct? Like, isn't that what they used to say in a given hour, people would pick up the very beginning, maybe something in the middle, but then at the end, and that was it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pick. They tend to pick up the, the, the bookmarks, don't they? Start and the finish. Um, they're, the, they're the memorable bits and they sleep through the rest of it. Um, so so I, I kind of look back and I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's no place for classroom training and there's no place for face-to-face training. But I remember then the excitement, Langdon, of e-learning, e-learning, e-learning. And, and the, the business I worked in sort of, like, like a lot of businesses, businesses tend to knee-jerk when new things come along and, and sort of go full pelt for it. And there was this obsession that actually e-learning was going to revolutionize the world. And surprise, surprise, it didn't really. It, 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 it made a difference. Don't get me wrong. It made a difference because you could, you, you're taking people away from the workplace for short periods of time. It, it, it's maybe a bit more... I don't know. Sometimes it would be more interesting if they're doing it on a computer, but it doesn't suit every learning style to do that. Um, so, so I still think there's opportunities to to get better at this. Um, and I th- and I think often the best way to to think about these is reflect on your own experience, isn't it? Isn't it? And uh, I, I'm I'm laughing to myself here because I did a risk assessment course and it's a long time ago, but it was absolutely memorable because it was so bad. Um, so it was a long time ago, but it was absolutely memorable. When I say it was memorable, I cannot remember any of the content, but I remember the course. And, and, and if I tell the story, it, it, I just laugh, I still laugh because we walked into this 
this classroom. Um, I can't even remember how long it was meant to last this course, but it was, it was say, a day's or half a day training. And, and all the seats were laid out. And on each seat, there was this big wad of paper. And, and you pick the big wad of paper up. And on it, if you remember, was the printout of the, of, of the PowerPoint slides. So you'd have four, maybe five little slides on, on a page and you got space on the other side to make notes. Um, and of course, what do you do? The first thing that you do when you, when you face with that is you, you look to see how many slides there are. And I can still tell you to this day, there were 97 slides, 97 slides. And what quickly became apparent to me when we're sitting there was that this trainer who never asked any questions was going to go through every single one of those 97 slides. And I spent the entire course just basically doing a countdown from one to 97 to say, I can escape at this point. Well, isn't that like school? You know, you'd get your, the, first day, first couple of days of school, you go in there and they give you the syllabus for the year and you're just sitting there. Holy cow, there is, you know, whatever, 500 pages. How are we going to do all this? You know, it's, it's demoralizing <laughs> before you start. So I think that's a fantastic example where actually it was a complete waste of time. It was a complete waste of any investment that had been made in, in doing that training. Um, and, and actually, I took took very little away from that as an experience. Um, so I think the only the only the thing missing from your your intro, if you like, was actually also to make how do we make training as engaging as possible? Yeah, I think the objective of that training was to make it as dull and as long as possible. Um, but if it's dull and it's long, it doesn't stick. Um, and and if you think about stop and think about safety, it's all about learning, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Everything, all, all the things we do, something like a toolbox tour is about helping people to learn. Um, another, another thing that makes me chuckle is so often I've been asked, Oh, can we have a, we have the ability to get an electronic signature so, so that we can show that somebody's been at a toolbox tour? What, what does an electronic signature do? All it proves is somebody can sign the name. Well, and, and that's what we started, you know, that was a big thing then. So they, they began doing learning activities or knowledge checks every two to three, what I'm going to say slides, but it, it's not like a PowerPoint slide different. And I get it. That, that's great. It's showing that. So I can't just click, 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 you know, I have to listen. I have to try to show some type of cognizance from what I've read, but then it was hitting the whole point. And OSHA was really pushing this as well in the States. How can we ensure that Jules is Jules and he's the one that actually took the course? So it, then it goes down and, and I'm a, I still am a blended approach. I, I think there's some awareness things we can do online. They're great, but some stuff needs to be, I mean, some stuff has to be, so let's take that yeah. out. But other yeah. stuff, you know, the, because of what you said, and I think that's the crux of it. Everybody learns differently, you know, for for younger generation and we might see another change and maybe that's where we're at right now with the micro learning is it just everybody the younger generation wanting to use i'm showing my phone wanting to use a phone and tick tack it tick tacking yeah yeah but it but it's yeah but the whole tick tick tock tick tock or tick tack or whatever you want to call it is 
yeah, you could. I mean, Langman's not that old, and he's too old for TikTok. Um, but, but, but it's again, it's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because there's this, I think, recognition that attention spans are shrinking. Um, I've, I've, I have heard said that the average human being now has the has the attention span which is shorter than a goldfish. I don't know whether it's actually proven that. Um, but, but stop and think about your own behaviours now. How many people? maybe sit there watching TV and at the same time they'll be browsing their phone. So they're not actually really paying attention to, to what it is that they're watching. Um, or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. And again, there's research that's been done to show that in a working day, actually the, the optimum amount of time for learning is, is literally down to minutes. So what we've got to do is try and target it so that we, we make the best use of those minutes. Um, I mean, the, the other thing is, how do people learn? And generally, people don't learn by getting told stuff, do they? Yeah. Well, and then you hit the whole, <laughs> I think with the workforce, you know, everyone got into the canned training also. <clears throat> Excuse me, the canned health and safety, what was already created. And no one actually thinking about, we need to tailor this to the organization to the workplace, you know, I'm taking a, whatever, I could take a training on slip, trip and falls, but I don't have any of the stuff that I'm looking at. I get it from a principal standpoint, but from a true applicability, if I'm an employee taking it, this is like, well, pointless. Why am I doing this? You know, and, and you miss a whole nother mark. And I think that's something that we have to think about that a lot of people, even if they enjoy what they're doing, you know, whether they're in a manufacturing environment, construction, even if they really enjoy what they're doing, do you want to do something? It's just like, you know, you and I do, does that mean we want to sit there and do a training? We get training alerts. Do I want to sit there and do it even when I know it and I earn my master's? In? No, good grief, no. And that is something we have to uh, think about how to really not just make it in, engaging, but more, more than that. I don't know what it is, but, you know, and maybe that's kind of where we're, embarking on now i think it's almost it's something around relevancy isn't it and i'm not sure quite quite what the right word is but but it's that even as fickle as it sounds and you're an american i'm a brit yeah if i'm in the uk and there's a training and it's a it's an american accent i know that a lot of people will turn off straight away and i think it's exactly the same in in, in the us because it's well, why are you giving me this training that's obviously not being created in my own country? Yeah, um, which is a little thing. So I think one of the other things is when you when you when you when you're going to do some training is how do you make it as as relevant to your workplace and, and real to people as possible, so that so that actually it gets accepted in, and it, and it's engaging. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and I think that's something we still. I think we still struggle with, and I don't know what the answer is. I'd be curious. I'm not at a, an, a, what is it, adult learning theory expert or anything, but I just think about it from my experience, even with that, it really seems like the people that are uh, the experts or not the people that are experts, but the, the premise of the adult le learning theory, it sure seems like it's changed in the last, what, thir 13, 14 years, really. So Oh, and that means we're still learning or they're still learning about what, how people 
need to learn what's best. But then we still hit that whole roadblock of what we were kind of talking about earlier, where an older worker is going to view it different than twenty-five year old who's coming in, and and then how can you bridge both of those to actually make it to what you just said relevant and and really real? Because that it's easy to. <clears throat> It's easy to do a face-to-face, let's say forklift training and show some engagement, especially if it's somebody that's never done it before. And then there's some excitement. I'm, I get to drive a forklift, you know, or, or I get to do this, or there is a, there's a fun level of that. And then the people that have done it all the time, there's a flip side. But there's, but there's also another really important point that you've just touched on there, which is how do most people learn? And most people learn by experience experience by doing stuff don't they so actually the forklift truck is a great example isn't it where actually it it's generally pretty good training because it's hands-on and when we're not being told stuff we're actually doing stuff and actually doing stuff is what tends to stick and i think i mean again another experience from me and, and you'll chuckle at this is i'm not the best in the world at excel surprisingly I understand. Yeah. Yeah, but I've probably been on four Excel training courses. Um, So why am I not good at Excel? Um, And and it's generally because the Excel training courses detach from doing it. So so I I, I got on a great course. I've met some great Excel trainers. My mate's an Excel trainer. I'm sure he's a great Excel trainer. But the problem is, it's not Langdon, by the way. Yeah. Um, he's, he's probably as bad as I am, but but unless you then take that knowledge straight away and put it into practice, again, it's very hard to sort of drag it from your deeper memory to be able to use it. I know there's these things called pivot tables, but for the life of me, I can't quite remember how to put the things together. Yeah, extremely difficult. <laughs> you know, I think you hit on something right there. And it's crazy because there's a lot of organizations that started making videos, but you think about it. One of the easiest things I do, and it's because of what you just said, if I need something, a lot of times I'm going to obviously look through the instruction booklet, but I go to YouTube and I'm going to type in exactly what it is. And if it's like 10, 11 minutes, then I just start scrolling to where's the relevant part that I need. And it's wanting to see the exact thing that I need to operate in the shortest amount of time possible, but I want to watch it being done. It's just short and punchy. And again, that that's back to that research that says we've got minutes each day where people are going to be actually open to learning stuff. Um, another interesting number for you, Langdon, is seven. And and the number seven. Um, and again, as that what what that relates to is we need to we need to hear some of their experience of seven times before it becomes natural and immediate to us, almost like a muscle memory. Um, and, and we often us, underestimate that in all sorts of business processes. And we think, oh, we told somebody, so they're going to do it. And, and actually, they don't, because actually they need, it needs to be repetitive. We need to keep repeating things to get people to do it. And it might seem obvious to us, but it's not obvious to other people. Um, so I think the other, the other thing that sort of, I suppose is really paramount in the safety world is is managers and supervisors and safety people becoming coaches. And actually, how do we make, get a focus on and how do we make sure that there's time in our day 
to go and spend time and coach people around actually doing things in the real world. Yeah. And I, and I think this is where a lot of times trainings, especially when it comes around health and safety training that falls on the safety professional. Um, and I'm not saying that's bad because I, I know the content that you as a, as an employee would need for the organization for whatever, you know, looking at the hazards of the jobs, you know, yada, yada. But as far as creating that training and ensuring that we're checking all the right boxes and we are, how are we captivating, capturing the, the knowledge for people? Honestly, a lot of times that gets put on safety professional and that's tough because I'm, we might be good in understanding people and this and that, but understanding how people learn, that's a whole different, that's a whole different uh, spectrum and challenging, you know, and that's when I feel like if you start creating teams of learning experts that can work with the health and safety, so you can really maximize because we are a changing environment or we're changing um, perceptions and people. That's when we start seeing, it seems like more proactive, better, cognizance and health and safety training. I mean, it's hard to do that, but it's a challenge. So I kind of think when, when we're thinking about that, is that, okay, so we've got these short, punchy learnings, so, we, so we're making it impactful, but also at the point of work. So actually, let's use modern technology to get learning to people at the point of work. So maybe some kind of pre-work learning before they start, um, and, it, and it's immediate then, and they can put it straight into practice. And then, but I think the other thing is whether it's, if we're taking a blended approach, whether it's e-learning, whether it's micro-learning, whether it's classroom training, there's actually got to be this follow-up of coaching. So if we train people, we then follow up and we coach people. That, that to me is the, is kind of the missing link sometimes. Um, and, and we, we do a lot of training within our business and, and, the thing that's really made a difference, we've talked about coaching cadences. And all we mean by that is actually, we're gonna do it on a regular and repeated basis. So coaching isn't this kind of ad hoc thing that we'll do if we get the time, because it'll never happen if you do that. We actually diarize it. So, um, so we have in the diary every week, different approaches for coaching. Um, and it doesn't all have to be managers. Um, what's really interesting is actually we, we get, we do what we call peer led sessions where we actually get colleagues to coach one another with no managers present. Um, and it's great because actually they're, they're learning from, from one another without the pressure of actually, which sometimes you do get from, from having a manager in the room. And, and the other thing that that's great for Langdon is it builds camaraderie. There you go. I totally agree. Some of the the best, the safest companies that I've seen that honestly, they do things like that. They've learned, obviously, from mistakes. I mean, there's a lot of other aspects, but they are very good about the employees. They'll do their own little, maybe it's a quick toolbox talk in the morning. Maybe it's just quick break discussions. And they they hit on some of these elements where if you're engaged and you're working together, you are having that level of camaraderie and learning from one another to whatever it is. Maybe it's a pain point for the day or, hey, guys, it's going to be hot today. Make sure you drink your water. Honestly, even something like that, that if people kind of talk about and think about, it's just an extra level of, you know, 
quote unquote training. It's not, but making something real like that in short, that's just as important as taking a 30 minute course on, you know, yes, you need to understand how to recognize it. I'm not taking away any of that, but as far as keeping it in your mind and making it readily available, that's pretty, that's pretty pertinent. Well, and what it can be doing is actually ensuring that the invest- investment you've made in the training is actually going to pay off and people are going to use that knowledge and use that understanding. Yeah. I thought I might get a bit more recognition of the use of the word camaraderie there, but. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Because you did it before me. I did. I was desperate to do it before you. So. Oh, I had it. It was coming. Don't worry. I knew it was coming. I thought I've got to get in here quick. So, yeah. Um, I think we're kind of, we, are we coming up for time? I think we're coming up for time. We are. Yeah. We could keep going, but I feel like we've done pretty well. I, th- I think we will no doubt pick this subject up again. I think I think there's, there's loads of things we could pick out of that. I think, yeah, 97 slides doesn't work is one of the key things that we've picked out of that. Um, short and punchy is, is good. Point of work is good. Um, but I think, I think one of the most important points is, is, is the importance and the value of coaching. So we get that seven times, that repetition of, of learning so that people really take on board muscle memory around safety activities and the approach to their jobs. Yeah. And, and the importance of blended, making it real, making it not just a canned, I've got to give this course, I've got to sign it out, but actually making it relevant to, to the person's job or even potentially relevant, even if it's an awareness that they have to take that might not be something they do with, just try to create some type of, of relevancy because, you know, it's training is tough because it's something we have to do, but within that training is the importance of what we're trying to really capture. And that's the whole learning and getting people engaged so that they do understand what's happening in their environment. So I yeah, totally agree. I think it's that, I think it's the right word experiential, isn't it? The more experiential we can make it, the, the better. Um, we're both parents, aren't we? Our children are slightly different in terms of ages, but they both pretty much, they all behave in pretty much the same way is that they don't respond well to being told to do things. Um, and, and, and adults in the workplace are no different. So the more we can make it about self, self, self-awareness, self-learning and about experience, I think the, the better. So Langley, I'm going to hand over to you to sign off in your usual inimitable fashion. Well, thanks, Jules. Well, for those of you out there, as you're going about your days, as you're going about your work lives, your personal life, remember to always try to sprinkle in a little learning, open-mindedness, but most importantly, stay healthy, stay safe, and watch each other's back out there. Thanks, everyone. Hey everyone, really appreciate you tuning into this episode of Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. Please follow and subscribe to wherever you stream your favorite podcast or visit us at evotix.com. And if you want to see how follically challenged we really are, come and check us out on YouTube. If you've got value from the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and in the review section of this podcast, if you could leave us a review or a rating, that would be great. And as always, everyone, while you're going about your days and 
about your normal lives. Stay safe out there and watch each other's back.